politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and minimen ready to explore for new frontiers of liberty. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for a brand new week. Happy Columbus Day. It is actually Sunday afternoon for me. I'm recording a little bit early. But this is the day that is scorned upon by the elites. Why? Because we had a continent full of death, destruction, tyranny, feudalism. Literally, human beings treated like chattel. Columbus broadly represents, at his basic sense, whatever he did or didn't do in his lifetime, the discovery of the new world, which most prominently was what became the first constitutional republic in the world, the first republic built upon unalienable truths of life, liberty, and property. That's what we celebrate. Obviously, the elites don't like it because they want to celebrate the current America that they created, that what we've morphed into the last number of decades. That's what they want to celebrate. We want to celebrate what the new world was discovered for. And the question for us is, how do we rediscover it? See, pretty much every inch of the globe has been discovered at this point. Where do we go for life, liberty, and property? Because we certainly don't have that here. We have anarcho-tyranny. We have the two-tier justice system. We have transhumanism. We have them controlling every aspect of our humanity, economy, government. It is all manipulated. It is completely manipulated. And here we are. And we could be living through a Holocaust right before our eyes, and we wouldn't see it. We always think, oh, back then you didn't have the internet in the 1940s, people didn't know what was going on. Now we have everything at our disposal, but people will walk right by you as if the COVID genocide never happened, the hospital genocide, the denial of treatment, juxtaposed to the pressuring people to get death shots. Truly unbelievable. So I want to delve into some of the latest news on that front today, big, big news out of Florida that's very important both for the COVID genocide but also broadly politically what we should be doing. Very apropos, the sponsor today is Policy Genius. Folks, if you got those death shots, I'm sorry to say, but uh, you owe it to your family to get proper life insurance coverage. I actually just got a letter from my life insurance carrier uh, noting that the rates are really going up. Um, Now, they don't say why because they're part of the cartel, but they know exactly why it's going up. Most people need more coverage than what they get from work. Uh, Typically, people need about 10 times more to get properly covered if you have a family of four or five or six um, like I do. So I'm not here to sell you insurance. I'm here to direct you to policygenius.com slash Daniel where they ask you a couple questions and boom, they spit back at you Apples to apples comparison of life insurance quotes so you could easily get the most personalized, cheapest quotes possible. You could save up to 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius as opposed to just kind of randomly doing it. Also, they have licensed experts that will help you understand your options so you could actually speak with a live person, apply your policy. The Policy Team Genius works for you, not the insurance companies. That's how they make their money. They don't add extra fees. They don't sell your info to third parties. That is why they have thousands of five-star reviews. 
Since 2014, Policy Genius has helped over 30 million people shop for insurance. They've placed $120 billion in coverage. So now more than ever, before the rates skyrocket, head to policygenius.com slash Daniel to get your free life insurance quotes to see how much you can and will save. So the big news to start the week, over the weekend, Florida conducted its own study, the Department of Health, and they found, not surprisingly, an 84% increased risk relative incidence of cardiac-related deaths following the COVID shots for males 18 to 39. Now, the risk begins really in the teenage years, but... They, I believe they only studied 18 to 39, and they already recommend against the shots for children. So based on that, they came out with a recommendation right away. Here's our data. We are recommending against all COVID shots for those under 40. Now, I know some of you will be like, well, well you know, they should all be banned for every age. I get it. But again, every other, all 49 other states are downright pushing it for everyone every time. So DeSantis is here out on a limb, and, and Latipo, the Surgeon General... But more importantly, they're now requiring all patients, not just those male under 40, but all patients to be informed of cardiac complications before they receive any dose. And kids and men under eight, under 40 have to be told that the Florida Department of Health recommends against it. Why is it that this is the only state doing that? It demonstrates to you that had we had, we had a Republican Party that lived up to its name. We could have had 20 states, 25 states doing this months ago, and we could have been so much farther along towards removing all the shots and holding these people accountable, treating people who need treatment, compensating people who are owed compensation, and banning this technology along with the makers from ever doing this again. You look at the difference between Florida and every other state, And I would say it's much bigger than the difference between a red state and a blue state, but there is no difference. I mean, you look at the other red states, they are pushing the shots just as much as the blue states are. Just as much. You even have in West Virginia, where Jim Justice criticized Biden for not pushing them enough. He's like, you can't say that the emergency is over with. uh, We still need to get more people the shots. So you understand that that they're they're demonstrating 84% increase. That's almost that means that the moment you get those shots, you're almost twice as likely to die. And this is just one ailment. We didn't even get to the cancers and the neurological stuff and the autoimmune and all sorts of other crazy inflammatory disorders that we could only imagine. And then, of course, right after Latipo does this, Twitter removes his tweet announcing it. Now, as of now, it's been restored. I'm not sure the politics behind that. But it demonstrates how fickle this is. Their stuff is so indefensible. It is such a genocide in plain sight that they can't defend it if you would just focus people's attention on it. But people's attention isn't focused on. To me, it's amazing that we know so much nowadays. We have so much material and information dissemination at our disposal that we know so little. 
how they could perfectly inundate you with specific stories and a buildup of headlines over time, Google, Apple News, and they know that's what people read, the headlines, that it's, it achieves its desired result. And, and it's pre-studied what sort of impression people will come out about the world, about current events, about politics in a given day, in a given week, in a, in a given month. And it's not just the lying way that they frame a given story. It's the panoply of stories that they tee up to you and the ones that they don't. Those of you who have been longtime listeners, even you know just a couple months to this show, you understand it's not just the unique perspective I give you, but the unique set of issues we'll discuss. And that's the thing. What most others discuss is not even the most important story of the day. It's what they want you to be talking about. We are two and a half years into this, and CDC has refused to conduct a study like this, and we have one out of the 50 states that said, hey, you know, with all the billions of dollars our Department of Health has gotten to promote this, and we know that everyone's dropping dead of heart attacks, we know myocarditis was flagged as a symptom of the shots since day one, shouldn't we study it? 84% increase. I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of this study. There's, there's reasons why that's really underestimating it. But the point is, why is Florida to this day the only state? And part of the answer is, I wanted to read to you just really quickly a comment from the Wales First Minister. It's from the UK Telegraph. No need for Wales COVID inquiry as world has moved on, insists Mark Drakeford. He's, he's the first minister of Wales. And he said there's no need for COVID-specific inquiry because the world has moved on. And he's not wrong. And that is what is so tragic about this. How you could have something that directly killed millions of people, disabled tens of millions around the world, Destroyed healthcare delivery, destroyed the economy, destroyed mental health, destroyed life experience, the final years of seniors that were spent in atrophy alone. You couldn't have written a, a, a Roman tragedy like this. And yet, everyone has moved on. And that is the sentiment, not just of the crazy guy in Wales, but pretty much Every leadership guy in a state legislator or governor and certainly Republicans in the Senate that are hoping for a GOP majority, they want to move on. They don't want an inquiry. There's no even promise for an inquiry about the shots. And they're still being given. I have a crazy story I want to share with you. First, I just want to remind you, as we're seeing all this censorship Stop funding those who censor us. Stop funding those who pay for the genocide. Instead, fund those that support pro-life causes, Second Amendment, religious freedom. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile provider. So if you go through kind of the top 10 things, utilities, phone, food, fuel, things that you need, it's very hard to create a parallel economy. We need to work on that. But when it comes to wireless service, you got it. You don't have to sacrifice your... Um, quality coverage. They use the same nationwide 
coverage through the major carriers that the major carriers use. So call 972-PATRIOT or go to patriotmobile.com slash CR activation code CR is in conservative review. And if you're a veteran or first responder, please let them know because they have a special discount for you. So join our movement today and make the switch away from the cartel to America's only Christian conservative mobile provider. That's patriotmobile.com slash CR, patriotmobile.com slash CR, or call their English-speaking U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Again, activation code CR. So often, I, I because I do a lot of broadcast radio and recently, I had this lingering cold. So I, I, I bought Sudafed, and then I used it almost every day. I was broadcasting, and then I, I needed an, another pack. My wife was using it, too, because she has an even worse cold than me. And I wanted to just simply get Sudafed. But you can't just go to the count, go, go, you know, pull off something from the shelf and pay for it. You have to get it behind the counter. The government monitors, records you. You give your driver's license. You get put into a database. All right, fine, so I got to do that. But here's the problem. If you need to see the pharmacist behind the counter, everywhere in my neighborhood, I would go at odd times even, and there were lines snaking around the aisle. Like, what the heck? And then I see all these psychopaths there with N95s, and I know exactly what's going on. They're there for vaccines. It's endless litany of the COVID boosters. It's uh, likely the flu shots too. Who knows what else they're doing? And I'm thinking, here it is. I can't get a drug at a drugstore when it's supposed to be a drugstore. And instead, it's all about jabbing people. So it was hard, hard to find. Then finally, you know, my wife was getting into the sinuses. So a friend of mine prescribed a uh, Z-Pack. So I figured I'd call it into a place a little bit farther away. And then I figure well, while I'm there, I'll, I'll pick up uh, Sudafed for myself. I come there. It was like an hour later. Now, a Z-Pack is the most common thing around. There's nothing to prepare. It literally comes in a pack. It was over an hour later. It wasn't ready. She says, well, the, 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 the person is uh, helping someone with a vaccine. When, when she's done, she'll, she'll get to this. I'm thinking again, a drugstore was supposed to be for this. But instead, they become conduits for literally for pharma. The government ponies up the money. Spreads it to pharma, spreads it to the big corporate uh, chains of pharmacists, the pharmacy chains, and it's all one big cesspool. The free market would have never dictated that. Never, ever, ever. So it's full of that. And then I come with the, you know, to say, hey, do you have some Sudafed? Is it okay? I give the driver's license. And like, it's not coming up. I don't know. I mean, their system must be down there, their database. And then the pharmacist, this is the tech, the pharmacist comes over and tries to, oh, no, I'll tell you what happened here. You've maxed out. I was like, what do you mean I maxed out? Well, you maxed out for the month. I'm like, how do I max out for the month? This is probably my, just my second pack of it. Maybe maybe my third between my wife. It could be my, you know, I got one for my wife. But it's not a lot. No, you maxed out. I can't, so I couldn't get Sudafed. And I'm thinking like, damn, this is anarcho-tyranny embodied. This is the, the dual system embodied. So I can't freaking get Sudafed for some post-nasal drip while they're sitting lining up, jabbing people with poison that just today came out double the risk of, of heart attack from it. And it's all good. 
No informed consent. They could come up as many as they wanted, as you well know, even before the government's phony approval happened. The pharmacies were giving out to cohorts of people that, that weren't eligible for that dose. It was all good. They could sit and prescribe, and they're not doctors, but they could prescribe Paxlovid, which is novel, a mixed with an AIDS drug, has a bounce back, has side effects, not studied yet. And is contraindicated with 32 very common classes of drugs, including those that, that most seniors are on. And it's all good. And I'm thinking, man, you know, there's one thing if the government would be really strict on drugs. I mean, we really don't want drugs here. We're scared of the meth houses. They supposedly would take some certain amount of Sudafed and they could create meth. Okay. But here I am... In central Maryland, you've got Baltimore, Maryland, where you have drugs everywhere, out in the open, open air markets, whatever you want. It's all good. They're letting them all out of, out of jail. jail. Biden just pardoned a bunch of cartel traffickers, and I can't freaking get Sudafed. See, this is why I hate this whole, like, you know, de you know legalization of drugs thing because it's never focused on what needs to be legalized all these things that i should i should have at my disposal a z-pack i'm sorry if i want to be stupid and overuse it that should be my problem all this stuff i mean you think about claritin wasn't even over the counter until fairly recently in history prevacid for heartburn wasn't over the counter and obviously, hydroxy and, and ivermectin, even with a prescription, these vermin will block it. So I'm sitting there, I can't get my Sudafed, and they're just literally dumping gene editing, gene destroying, repair inhibiting, myocarditis inducing, brain inflammation, and it's all good. That's the anarcho tyranny. If it's something that suits the system, all legal, medical, scientific, logical norms out the window. If it doesn't, then they'll, they'll enforce everything to the letter of the law times 10. This is the world we live in now. Anarcho-tyranny. But anyway, let's go through some more news here on the, on the shots. New South Wales. There's data out. They have been publishing every month deaths by cohort of how many jabs you got. 74.6% of all deaths this year were among those who had three or more jabs. Three or more jabs compose 69.8% of the population. So again, they're tracking slightly above their share of COVID deaths. Just data point number a million that it doesn't just have negative efficacy for contracting the virus, but actually critical illness. And it's sad because you watch at these pharmacies, you see all these seniors lined up with their N95s. They're terrified. And I don't blame them because they destroyed their immune systems in multiple ways. So maybe COVID is, maybe Omicron is a problem for them. I don't know. It wasn't until now. So where is this impetus in the states to change any of this? What sort of information needs to come out 
for this to change. To organize an inquiry into the danger of the shots. Who knew what, when. We need to push. I, I, I need to create a sort of reference card of which states are easier to convene a grand jury and what are the, what's the jurisdiction. Some states, the attorney general, the governor could do it. In those states, they need to be pressured to convene a grand jury. What was known about the shots and when? What do we know now? The extent of of um, injury. I mean, they could get it with the Medicare, Medicaid billing data. They could easily see things like that. Everyone who dies within 30 days of the shot should be investigated. The death certificate should be investigated. Every state needs to do this. Every state needs to compensate all these people, and every state needs to ban mRNA technology until there are affirmative studies that show they fix the problems, which, of course, don't exist. This is from the Epic Times. Americans injured by the COVID-19 vaccine have to prove causation to receive compensation. So we're actually behind other countries, Australia, UK. Even Australia, by the way, is no longer recommending COVID shots for those under 50. Did you know that? We're way well behind any country now. We're the most zealous, left-wing, retarded country around. Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program provides some benefits to Americans who experience injuries or deaths as a result of COVID-19 shot and other countermeasures recommended to prevent, diagnose, or treat the disease, but without the development of a vaccine injury table by the Health Resources and Services Administration, the burden of proof lies with the petitioner and not the government. Standard of proof is a way to determine whether the petition measures up to a certain standard to award compensation. A vaccine injury table lists the injuries and conditions caused by the vaccine and the time periods in which the first symptom of these injuries and conditions must occur after having received the vaccine. However, if an individual does not meet the requirements listed on the injury table, it then falls on the person filing the claim to prove causation, which is obviously very, very difficult. So they don't even have that vaccine table out. Truly disgusting. The compensation program has received over 9,000 complaints in the first two years, yet none of of the 7,084 claims alleging injury or death or the 2,804 claims related to drugs and devices have been paid compensated. Three claims have been found eligible for compensation but are still awaiting benefits. (laughs) Three in the entire country. Zero received so far. Could you imagine that? Out of the millions upon millions, and this is not even a promise among state or federal Republicans. Like, at least if you're, you're too scared to ban the shots and go after the pharmaceutical companies, at least just have the carrot for the people. Just, you, you, you know, you compensate them with your endless printed money, but nothing. Nothing. And... There's a new analysis. Ed Dowd put this out. The disabled, the number of excess or increase in disabled, according to the Department of Labor, went up 900,000 
just last month. So now, it, from my just eyeballing it, since the beginning of 2021, there's about 3.2 million people added to, to disability. 3.2 million people. I want you to understand that. And we've noted many other data points settle around several million with long-term injuries. But they could still look you in the eye and say, look, you know, that's Daniel... That's just about, uh, I don't know, 1.3, 1.5%. That's pretty safe. That means 99.5%, you know, aren't long-term disabled. That's pretty good, right? I mean, this is literally what they say. And again, the reality is those numbers are only going to go up. It's like I have, to, I have to raise the bar now because we're not shocked by 3 million people being disabled from a shot. That doesn't shock people anymore. It's got to be higher than that. And look at the moral hazard. As RFK Jr. said, not only does the agency of the NIH itself get the royalties from the Moderna shot, they partner, literally partner with it, but the individuals who worked for Fauci get patent margin rights. So they're collecting about 150000 a piece in royalties, likely for the rest of their lives. It is, this is a form of fascism that is worse than even the pre-enlightenment version. It's the nuanced democracy version of fascism. Again, as we celebrate Columbus Day and the discovery of the new world that implemented the values of, of the enlightenment in its governing doctrine from day one, now we've come full circle in the corruption and the breaking of that social compact that we're worse off than we were pre-enlightenment. And, and you look at everywhere, there's no one even talking about this. And, and then there's the other aspects of the, uh, of the pandemic, the, the ventilators. Michael Spanger, or Michael P., uh, sorry, Michael P. Sanger on his Substack wrote a very detailed analysis of how he estimates that just in the month of April, just in the month of April 2020, beginning of the pandemic, in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts and Connecticut, there were 30,000 people killed by ventilators, just premature ventilators. He has certain baselines by subtracting the number of excess deaths that each state would have experienced if their excess death rate had been the same as that of Michigan, because Michigan was the highest outside the Northeast. From the number of excess deaths they actually experienced each week, we can see that in total during April, approximately 17,289 deaths in New York City, that's really the ground zero. 7,347 deaths in New Jersey, 803 in Massachusetts, 788 in Connecticut, and then 3725 in New York outside of the city. All told, about 30,000 people. And he said it's a very conservative estimate. So 30,000 and nothing no, nothing will ever happen. You, We now know that you literally had people come in with like minor pneumonia level respiratory issues that any other time would have totally walked out of there and they're dead, dead at 55, dead at 53. We had a Holocaust happen right in front of our eyes. Just like you could have the burning of American cities in front of our eyes, the FBI persecution, not just persecution, but literally 
concoction and creation of January 6th, incited, entrapped, ensnared, and then persecuted, and no one, no one knows, no one cares, goes on. They blow up a pipeline. They created this Ukrainian hoax, gave them tens of billions of American dollars, and it still goes on. Nothing big that actually matters is ever confronted with equal and opposing force. It's truly, truly disgusting. So the ventilators will never get uh, their day in court. Then there's molnupiravir. Do you know, remember that drug, the first drug that came out before Paxlova? This is Merck's drug. We talked about it from day one. So it's an extremely dangerous drug. Mutagenic. Uh, just all sorts of problems. Carcinogenic. Turns out, a team of Oxford researchers conducted a large multi-center, open-label, adaptive, multi-arm platform, randomized control trial in patients that were either over 50 or under 50 if they had comorbidities. And they gave them 800 milligrams twice a day for five days. So the full dosage of molinopiravir and early treatment. Okay, It was within five days of symptoms. And the primary outcome was the percentage in each group that proceeded to either hospitalization or death within 28 days. Turns out, zero efficacy. Zero efficacy. 0.8% hospitalization and death rate, which is much lower than the other ones because this was done during Omicron, so it's much lower in both groups. We gave them $2 billion dollars. $2 billion. And by the way, pharmacies to this day, they couldn't give me a Sudafed, but they could prescribe without a doctor Monopiravir. Yes, this is the world we live in. A terrible, terrible, corrupted world. And again, there's no impetus in any state. We have less than three months left to some of these legislatures convening to get rid of the shots, fix the pharmacy issue, fix the doctor's medical license issue, to fix the hospital genocide issue, to work with their departments of health to get them to be like Florida, where they're not only not pimping the genocide, but they're downright being a force for good. And this will continue. I I suspect a lot of people lining up at these pharmacies, let me know what you're seeing, are for the flu shot as well which is very plot problematic. But nothing will ever change. Because everyone just wants to move on. We thought we could never have a Holocaust in modern day society. This is in plain sight, but it's only in plain sight if you're willing to look at it. You talk to your average drone. Tell, tell me this, when you debate whether it's a family member, a friend, a not friend, a neighbor, and you get into a debate over some sort of political discussion. Is it that they are disagreeing with what you're saying? Or is it that they don't even know what you're saying? They don't even... See, we see everything they're saying. We, we get the drive-by. We hear it all the time. Okay, you can't miss it. We get their statement of narrative. They don't, they're not even seeing the wealth of material and studies, and data, and continuity of observations from two and a half years. They don't even know about this. They're still still two and a half years back. Oh, Daniel, what's, what's Molnupiravir? 
Oh, really? They were doing that with ventilators? I, di- I didn't know. Oh, people are having heart attacks and strokes? Oh, I, I, I didn't know. And that's most people. And conservative media is guilty of this too. They help with this tunnel vision where you will focus on the most irrelevant, narrow set of issues to the detriment, to the the complete distraction of what actually does matter. I, I cannot believe this is still going on. I thought the data seems to show people are done with the COVID shots. I don't know. When I go in these pharmacies, I see it left and right. Now, I usually don't see younger people. <clears throat> they are older. But at least where I live, they're lining up. So it might depend on where you are. But anyway, that's our kind of our COVID stuff for the day. So before we run out of time today, I really wanted to bring on our special guest. One of the things I want to do is introduce you guys to the organizations and the people who actually were heroes during the time of need that actually, with the limited power they had, did what they could do. And there were a couple of legislators that from day one tried to use their legislative power, use their voices to advocate for freedom, advocate for life, advocate for proper treatment. Um, and, and I could mention a lot. I don't want to leave people out. I have Jason Zachary in the Tennessee House, Melissa Blasek in New Hampshire. I, I really don't, don't want to start naming more names because there's a lot of them, but it's a relatively small percentage. But today I want to spotlight Senator Bob Hall from Rockwall, Texas. He's in the Texas State Center, Air, Air Force veteran, worked in aerospace injury uh, industry, and um, is a small business owner. And from day one, day one, Bob was using his voice to advocate for patients, advocate for those who weren't getting treatment, speaking the truth about COVID, about COVID fascism, about the vaccines, and about remdesivir, you name it. If, if we had a Bob Hall in every state Senate with a GOP majority, it would be a very different country we'd be looking at. But we don't. We have one, and he's here with us today. Bob, thanks so much for joining us for the first time here at Blaze Media. Well, thank you very much, Daniel, for having me on, and thank you for the kind words. I just feel I did what I was led to do. Uh, And when I saw what was being done that was so wrong, in our medical community, I was uh, I would I was absolutely flabbergasted at first the things I first saw, uh, but after we've gone through it now for uh, since the you know early part of 2020, uh, this next session uh, we're going to have to make some major reforms uh, so that this does not happen again to the to the people of Texas. Amen. Uh, that's, I'm in it. Senate. So that's where I have my influence. It's not at the national level, but hopefully if Texas will lead the way, others will stay, will follow. And uh, one of the places we've got to start with are our, our medical boards uh, at the state level, uh, the pharmacy board. Uh, we, we in Texas allow pharmacists to use what we call right of conscience to not fill uh, prescriptions uh, for abortion. And we also... Uh, depend on them to help us spot uh, doctor shoppers for opioids. And, uh, and then, fortunately, they use that uh, authority to not fill prescriptions for hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. So we have to fix that. 
Uh, we have mm. a Texas medical board that uh, I don't know, but they, they seem to be drunk on power and have lost their compass uh, in, in what they're doing. Uh, we found that they were accepting third and fourth hand complaints. Uh, wow. They were accepting, taking complaints off of Facebook pages and turning them into investigations. Uh, we've got to stop that. Uh, they, we have to limit it uh, to a very limited secondhand complaint. If it comes from a family member or a caretaker, that's fine. But if it's third hand or more, we have to end that. Um, we, we have to limit the investigation to the specific charge. We had the Texas Medical Board that would use uh, an accusation about ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, or budesonite as a ticket to go fishing. And they would ask the doctors for a ton of information, then look for something, because uh, they knew that they weren't going to hold up on just ivermectin about the, the therapeutic. So they would use that to find that maybe they didn't do a thorough uh, job at one time someplace in informed consent or something but we've got to we have stopped that we, we have to have the doctors be provided with the exact complaint that whoever issues the complaint against them and absolutely no anonymous complaints it can only come from someone that is that is willing to go on record and to face the doctor that they they put those complaints against uh now, what about we, vaccines have- and masks? I mean, we obviously have, coming out of California, uh, a new law where doctors are basically muzzled. They'll lose their license if they speak the truth about anything that is sacred to the biomedical uh, fascist industry. But in Texas, you wouldn't expect that. But here we have doctors in Texas that are um, that are under investigation and under the threat of losing their license for not wearing a mask how does that happen in the state of texas and what do you think you could do about it next session uh that's going to be part of the reform for the texas medical board you're absolutely right the the absurd and we've got cases that are ongoing now uh in in which they did that that these courageous doctors who knew that wearing of a mask what would had would cause more damage than protection that it provided. And so they refused not to do so. But the Texas Medical Board, which is so drunk with power, that uh, and they, they get a thrill out of going after doctors like that. Uh, I, that is going to be at the top of the list to prevent that kind of, you know, almost Im- immoral behavior. Do, do we need some sort of power of the legislature to remove these people? I'm not understanding who these people are. Uh, I, I don't think you have four branches of government, right? I mean, so it has to be under the auspices of the executive branch. There is a Republican governor there. So why do we have a Texas medical board that's a- allowed to act as if it were California? Well, it's because some of the things that we did, they, they were actually following the governor's orders in, in doing it. <laughs> and uh, and unfortunately, uh, part of the, the what's, cause the mess of this is that we have no limitation when a, uh, an emergency declaration is made the governor is is in 100 percent charge unlimited time all he has to do is re- renew it every 30 days and it continues indefinitely under executive orders in which the governor can basically do anything he chooses to do and so we had the draconian lockdowns the school closings the shutdown of the hospitals 
the limiting of the medical distribution, all like that occurred uh, because the legislature was not able to get into session and be part of the decision process. And through the whole thing, there were no medical doctors involved uh, at, in any of our state agencies giving advice on this. It was strictly political advice that was given. What was politically expedient? Uh, the the doc, those that so-called doctors had that title uh, had no clinical experience, uh, you know, in the last 20, 30, 40 years, and so uh, that was that was part of the problem that led us into some of these things that were done out of panic. Uh, and it, yeah, it is a part of the executive branch, and I think by putting these changes into law that will limit how they operate because they operate off of law. They, they create rules, but we're going to have to put some rails up, uh, such as uh, requiring that the when, you, when they investigate somebody, that they have a minimum of eight doctors of uh, with current clinical experience in the area the doctor is being charged with have the violation. And then there has to be a 60% uh, agreement that he did that he or she did something wrong. Currently, what they do is it's uh, the best. You know, they'll go with two out of three doctors, and they do it one at a time. They have the first doctor uh, do an evaluation, and depending on what they say, they, they pick a second one. If the, if, the, if the if they agree with it, then it's over and done with. That uh, the doctor is convicted, uh, and there's no real requirement to have them very carefully pick, pick to be in the field that the doctor operates in. Yep. Uh, so, so, so those, doctors can practice medicine and then pharmacies can practice medicine, you know, so you got it all flipped up and that's what your legislation seeks to rectify that. The next level, I'm curious if you have any good ideas that, you know, we have a lot of legislators throughout the country listen to the show on what to do with the medical board. So the, the, the licensure Boards are obviously state sanctioned and it's governed by statute and, and, and the legislature should have full control over that. The problem with the boards is it's kind of like Twitter and Facebook, you know, where it's essentially a contrived monopoly, but you can't function without it. And most doctors need board certification, uh, if not legally, but practically they need it to get reimbursement, certainly for malpractice insurance, but especially if they're going to take medical insurance, uh, the companies are going to require it. And they'll just say, hey, buddy, if you don't promote the litany of things, the next 15 mRNAs that Pfizer and Moderna are developing, which they are, if you're going to raise concerns about them, you lose your board certification. Is there any angle for legislators to deal with that? Uh, I, one one idea that, that I've talked with some folks about is that um, that we have a move the investigation into a different body, not just to the, tech, the Texas Medical Board. They may they they may be use them for initial licensing, and uh, but they're going to have to change some of what they're doing because we recently learned that uh, they have let uh, dozens and dozens of doctors uh, practice here in Texas uh, after they lost their license for malpractice in other states. And so we've got some changes to make in that area. But as far as once an investigation starts, or at least in the appeal process, that it needs to go through uh, a body other than the Texas Medical Board itself. Other states actually use their attorney general's office uh, for, for investigations. So 
we need to do something sort of as a check and balance. And we also need to uh, make sure that the, the basic rights to, to free speech are not being violated uh, in some attempt to channel uh, uh, medical treatments. And that's what we found was happening all over. Uh, was that we're actually trampling on on individual rights. But I'll be very surprised if California law lasts very long uh, just for that one reason. So there were many, many aspects to this horrible, horrible genocide that has taken place the last few years. Um, The creation of the virus, the blocking of the treatment for it, the shutdowns, the human rights violations, the hospital treatment, um, and then certainly the vaccines. The big news of the day is out of Florida, where the Florida Department of Health figured, hey, we, we got billions of dollars in federal funding like they all did. So rather than using it for unscientific uh, garbage to basically grease the skids of those earning billions of dollars a year, we're going to do something for the people and create a safety net for the people. They did their own study on cardiac uh, arrest after getting the mRNA shots, and they found an 84% increase in um, risk for heart death following these shots in those 18 to 39 year old males. And they summarily recommended against them, and they're requiring all uh, administrators to give that informed consent to people. Hey, you know, the Florida Department of Health uh, recommends against this. So, you know what everyone's thinking? Everyone's thinking, all right, well, what's the big red state in America? Okay, that's Texas. How come we haven't seen any of this, any of this that we're seeing from Florida out of Texas? And is there any way you feel some of the patriots in the legislature could could leverage that in January? I am hoping they'll join with me on the bills I'll have to do that very thing. Uh, I, I spoke out uh, on these issues at our Health and Human Services uh, Committee hearings that we've held in the interim. For, uh, I'm sure, Daniel, you're aware of this, but maybe most people don't are aware that Texas legislature only meets every odd yeah. year, every other year for, for 140 days. And so in between that time, we are powerless to do anything uh, unless the governor calls a special session, and then we can only do what he puts on our <laughs> agenda to do. Uh, and uh, but when we go back in, I we're there are going to be bills to uh, to rectify a lot of what we saw uh, taking place that should have never happened in and over the last what uh, uh, as a result of COVID. So so you feel you have ways of of directing. I mean, you should because it's not an autonomous agency. It's kind of like you know Congress making. Uh, you know, like some are promising to make some limitations on the FBI's activity. So it's a similar thing of the Texas Department of Health that, hey, we don't want you promoting these death shots. We want you uh, promoting true public health. We want you to study the scope of vaccine injury, the the investigatory window, the 30 day window when people die after getting that shot within those 30 days death certificates. Is there any, I I get it that when it comes to liability for Pfizer, for example, that we need to deal with the 86 Act, the PrEP Act, that's got to be through Congress. But at least at a state level to kind of do what Florida is doing to create that safety net where they're going to joust with with CDC 
and and uh, FDA and say, hey, look, we don't trust you. We don't like this. We don't like what we're seeing. We're going to do our own studies. We're going to put out our own data. We're going to make our own rep- recommendations. Is there any way that legislators listening to the show now could could leverage their legislative power to kind of direct the Department of Health to do what's right on these issues? Yes, and that is one of the one of the paths we're going to take. Uh, we uh, so some of us legislators have talked about that of taking on uh, in some form or another a, a state level role of CDC, NIH, FDA to do our own independent assessment. But at the same time, we're going to uh, strengthen our laws and put in place for protecting individual rights. Uh, there's something to be said uh, for getting back to the basics here where people can protect themselves and we put make the law in place. Uh, you know, the uh, basic thought that comes to mind is to repurpose uh, a fairly popular statement out there that has been badly misused, and that is my body, my choice. Oh, yeah. Uh, so people can actually exercise that in a proper way of saying, you know, no, I, I, you're not going to force me to take an experimental uh, procedure. Now, things got cloudy with the emergency and, and the false information is being put out, and it was rushed so much uh, this last time that, uh, that things happened that should have never happened. But now that it's happened once, shame on us for allowing it once, but it shall not happen again. So there's got to be there's got to be more transparency and there's got to be more accountability and more protection of individual rights to me is is how we're going to protect the people and is more of a solution than creating another government body that could very well do exactly the same thing they've done at the federal level. I think we while we need to do that to make sure that that we are actually using real doctors to make medical decisions. Uh, you know, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't pull a get a plumber to make a decision based on the uh, steel structural integrity of a building being designed. Why in the world do we let bureaucrats make make medical decisions for us? I'll never know. But we've got to stop that. But I think the 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 transparency, accountability, and protecting protection of individual rights, uh, such as when they go to the hospital and being able to say yes or no to drugs, have a stronger uh, informed consent, which would require both a verbal and written uh, uh, communication between the medical professional about to do a procedure or give a shot or whatever it is, including all of the information that that is included in the manufacturer's uh, side effects and get written permission before it's being used. Mm. And in some way, to find to find a way that if if in the future the thing that was the biggest uh, impetus for the hospital's bad behavior the thing that could uh, has us be able to say today unfortunately more people died in hospitals because of hospital policy than died of the COVID was the financial incentive that the federal government gave wow. to the hospitals for the bad treatments and. And somehow we we here in Texas need to figure out a way to make sure that never happens again by funneling those extra payments away from the hospital so we can remove that financial incentive. It may not be easy to do, but something has to be done because that's what was behind so many people dying in the hospital and so many in the, the hospitals not 
treating patients early, which they should have, they wanted the patients to get sicker so they would go to the hospital because that's when they made the extra money, the big bucks, the 20% plus 20% plus other uh, financial incentives to be in the hospital for get remdesivir, go on the ventilator, and die. The hospitals made a lot of money. And so that was that was the big thing. It was just like the incentive for the pharmacy companies that are so being the you, you had the incentives that you're you're talking about, the ventilator and remdesivir in particular. And that's the financial aspect. But in addition, and, and you really dealt with this, I mean there's people alive today because of your work. We've had them on before. Um, people would call you up in distress with a loved one in the hospital, and there are very few people to turn to. And it's it's just hor- horrific what has happened in the Texas hospitals. But you had the starvation. You had the medical kidnapping. You had the illegal DNRs. Um, there was a whole other aspect. And I don't know what, what you have in Texas, but a lot of states do have a patient bill of rights, but it clearly wasn't followed. Is there a certain amount of civil and criminal teeth that could be put in it? Uh, what sort of patient bill of rights needs to be crafted to make sure this never happens again? Oh, uh, we definitely need to have a patient's bill of rights to make sure this doesn't happen again. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, we, we did a little bit the last session we're in that we stopped the hospitals from prohibiting uh, a visitor. And so we got it into a bill that uh, they could not prohibit a religious counselor's visit, which a is specifically worded that way because anybody can be a, a religious counselor. And so we got that into the bill. Uh, but we need that to, to have a bill so that they can, they have a right to choose. They, they have a right to choose that's stronger than what we currently have for medical treatments. They go into the hospital and, and they go in there or not getting what they should, should have gotten or wanted to have. They have a right. And if the hospital doesn't, doesn't doctors there don't want to, to, to do the treatment they want, then they'll have the right to bring in their own doctor. We'll provide immunity to the hospital if that's what they want. But the patient needs to have the right to, to get the meds and the doctor and the treatment that they want if they don't trust where they are in the hospital. They've got to continue to be able to have the right to the visitors. They've got to have, be able to have the right to the medical personnel. You mentioned it earlier, the absolutely horrible treatment that these patients got in neglect and, and uh, with the, the hospital personnel was atrocious. And we need to make sure that never, ever happens again. So the patient needs to have a right to say, you know, I want nurse A out of here and I want nurse B in here. Uh, or I want to get my own nurse in here. No, absolutely. That That's the key. That really is the key. Having, I mean, we're not going to fix their dumpster fire, but at least to have that alternative of people that use their heart and their brain and their talent to to save people that not only aren't they marginalized, but they're empowered to, to save lives because, unfortunately, they're going to do things like this again. Um, I want to just close with this. I ask every legislator on on. You know, this question, but particularly from Texas, where you only meet every other year. So you had 2020, which was the year of the lockdown and the mask. I mean, just earth shattering, novel human rights violations built off of no transparency, no due process. This is the type of thing you hold legislative hearings on. But oh, no, out of session, nothing. Governor gets a free run for a whole year. 
Then by the time we kind of realized all the other things that were going on throughout 2021 with the hospitals and the denial of treatment, the pharmacy stuff, well, now we're on to 2022. Well, no, it had a session. So you'll be back in session in January. My question is, is it possible that you guys could gain enough support to amend the Constitution and make it easier for, for the legislature to truly be independent and call yourself back into session when you have these earth-shattering events? I think there there is a possibility. I wouldn't put it a, a really high one, mm-hmm. uh, but I think there is a possibility that we can do that. I'll know that I know there will be an effort to do that. Uh, it was a there wasn't enough support for it this last time around. Uh, we're going to have, uh, a, a, I, I believe we're going to have a fairly new number of senators and representatives. And so what, and just for that reason that, that we didn't get done what we should have got done like that, uh, that I think there will be a, a much better chance that we can make those changes so that we can have the legislature back in the session. I know I had a bill, uh, Senator Brian Birdwell from out, uh, a little bit west of me here in Granbury area had a really strong bill. I co-authored it with him. Uh, I will continue. I will support his bill. Uh, and, and I think we now have another, uh, enough other senators and, and house members on board that now see evidence that we never really could see. We had a lot of speculation during the last session about stuff, but it, it was not up to the level of being convincing to those that listen too much to the lobbyists and the leadership. Lobbyists and leadership, the two L's. That's the killer of every red state legislature. I mean, we got a ton of listeners from Texas. Uh, it's really our, our largest listenership is from the great state of Texas. And uh, so many people are counting on your work and uh, not just in Texas, but to replicate elsewhere. Thanks for everything you've done the last couple of years. Keep the fight up. Keep us informed and stay in the game. All right. Take care. Take care, Thank you for having me on. God bless you. God bless. So again, that was Senator Bob Hall from Rockwall, Texas. He has really been on to this stuff. I mean, he was interviewing some of these doctors before I was on his podcast. Uh, so again, you could follow him online. And I just say he himself is, I believe, almost 80 years old. So he he has put himself at risk you know, from getting COVID at the time to help others get treatment and everything and is really in many respects the antithesis of all these dirtbag politicians that made a name for themselves in 2020 with COVID as if they were saving lives and they killed millions of people. Uh, Bob Hall is just a great, great guy. And uh, this is what we need from everyone. What is your forward looking agenda on medical freedom on investigating the genocide, ensuring this doesn't happen again to the best of our ability that they get punished for what they did do? What is your agenda this coming legislative session? And I just want to close with this point. This is what sets me aside from some of my other colleagues in that everyone's going to be longing for this focus and obsession over the new GOP Congress, right? Wow, it's going to be really exciting. Come January, you have a Republican House. Um, We're back in business. And that's where all the focus is going to be. And the reality is, even in a good case scenario, they're not going to have 60 seats in the Senate, and they're not going to have the presidency. Now, they themselves are subversive frauds. But even if they weren't, you would have that problem. Whereas in Texas... They have a full trifecta. They're going to expand their majorities clearly uh, in the state. 
And they have a free runway in a state like Texas to do anything they want on medical freedom, anything they want on trannyism, anything they want on illegal immigration, on crime, on interposing against the FBI, on you know fee, uh, energy stuff for sure. Big pivotal state. I would argue that the upcoming legislative session in Texas is more important or should be more important to what we should want to accomplish and focus on than the legislative session in Congress. And if you don't, that, that, that's kind of a good IQ test, whether you get it, whether you know what time it is, whether you know what matters, whether, whether you know what strategies matter, and where that destination is that we need to head. And if it's state interposition, well, Texas is, is the critical state. But think about it. Why is Texas not like Florida? Why is their Department of Health not just not as good as Florida's, but indistinguishable from that of Maryland, New York, or California? And the answer is because Greg Abbott, like the rest of them, are a bunch of frauds. It's funny. I asked him, how is it the doctors are being targeted by the medical board still to this day for not having worn a mask in Texas in 2020? And the interesting thing, he's like, well, they were following the order. That was the governor's order of the time. So you would think the governor would at least by now say, look, that was goofy. I'm sorry. Anyone who got punished under that, I'm sorry. Uh, call off the medical board. No. Dr. Henson is being punished for not having worn a mask when he was right as an ear, nose, throat doctor to flag this as a cancer risk and certainly a carbon dioxide problem and that doesn't help. You were told that carbon dioxide is, is, is destroying the planet, yet somehow to increase your CO2 in, in your breathing is totally okay. This is the question everyone needs to be asking. Why is it that we have 25 or so red states, but we only have one that is doing anything about any aspect of COVID fascism and the vaccine genocide? And the answer to that will be the key to understanding where we are today in politics. So, folks, that's about it for today. I will be out on Tuesday. I will be back Wednesday. So these couple of weeks, I'm a little bit, a little bit lean um, in my schedule. But you could still email me, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. I'll get back to you uh, later in the week. Follow me on tele- Telegram uh, at C19TruthBombs. I keep forgetting myself. C19TruthBombs. One of these days, I'll switch it back to my name. Uh, to make it a little bit more generic, but that's where it is for now. Send me your comments, questions, and concerns via email as always. Till Wednesday, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.